Recorded from Los Angeles, California, you are listening to The Sound of Dow with your host, The Vince Dow. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first ever episode, the inaugural episode, ladies and gentlemen, of the Sound of Dow podcast. I'm your host. I'm your boy. You already know what it is. I am the Vince Dow. Now, we're going to be ha- doing a lot of different stuff on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be having some big name guests on. All right. We're going to have some guests on this show here and there, may- may- maybe more consistently. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure this stuff out. And we'll definitely be talking about current events sometimes, but sometimes I don't always want to bore you guys with the day-to-day politics. So we'll get into other different discussions, but that's all That's all for later on. Okay. And, and we'll be doing a lot of figuring out of what exactly we're going to talk about, who we're going to bring on this show, what guests we're going to have, all that good stuff, right? So let me know. I'm down for feedback. I'm down for suggestions. Let me know what you want talked about and who you want to bring on this show, okay? I, we, we talked about this earlier. We have a lot of different guests in mind, and we're going to figure that out later. But Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first episode. So I thought to myself, this can't just be like a, a normal political episode where we talk about whatever or whatever. No, this has to be the introductory episode. And I know a lot of you guys know me, but you don't really know this story behind me, a lot of you guys, right? And so I th- I thought, I figured that's what we would have to do with this podcast. Now, I was thinking, like, how exactly should we do that first inaugural episode and what exactly should we discuss? And then it came to me. Many of you guys are always consistently asking me. This is always the same question. This is probably the most asked question I've ever received, which is, Vince, have you always been a conservative all your life? And if not, how did you end up becoming a conservative? And ladies and gentlemen, I, th- I thought about that and I've always been saying, I'm going to make a full video explaining this so I don't have to say it over and over again because it's a long story, right? And I kept I keep saying it for, for years now. Literally for years, I've been saying I'm going to make that video and I have it. So here is that video slash podcast. I'm going to get into that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the story of Vince Dow's political journey and how Vince Dow ended up being the conservative that he is today. But first... Before we get into that, ladies and gentlemen, if you are watching this podcast on YouTube, make sure you press that like button, make sure you leave a nice comment, and make sure you're subscribed to this YouTube channel with notifications on so that you don't miss a beat. And if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, and be sure to leave me a five-star rating on the iTunes store. That will help a lot. And I'm pretty sure Spotify works the same way. I'm not sure, but if if you're listening on Spotify, uh, be sure to do that too. And before I do anything, make sure, ladies and gentlemen, you cop that Vince Dow merch, okay? It is it is the holiday season. You got to be rocking with that Vince Dow merch. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have the, one of the Vince Dow shirts on right now, but that, that that is far from the only merch. Be sure to go to teespring.com slash stores slash Vince Dash Dow. Again, that's teespring.com slash stores slash Vince Dash Dow and get that fresh Vince Dow merch and send me. Send me a picture of you wearing it uh, or, or post it on your story or post it on your feed and tag me uh, when you do, and I will be sure to feature you on my own story. Anyways, with all that out of the way, with all that jibber-jabber, this is the story of how I became a conservative, okay? So buckle up, strap in, because I think this might end up being a pretty long story. But this all begins in November of 2008, okay? So... I was in kindergarten, and obviously that November, we had the big-time election between 
Senator Barack Obama and Senator John McCain. Now, I, I distinctly remember on that day in kindergarten, I came to class. I didn't. I did not even know there was an election going on. Okay, because at the time, my parents were basically totally apolitical, and they didn't even like stop to 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 teach me or tell me what was going on. In fact, they themselves, knowing them, they themselves probably didn't even know that there was an election going on. Right, but. I show up to kindergarten class that day, and what do you know? We're doing a mock election that day in class. So I, I, I will always remember they gave us these orange pieces of papers that were like Xerox, like like the print quality was terrible. Okay, but it was probably like Barack Obama on the left and John McCain on the right. And keep in mind. I had never heard of these people in my life. Okay, this was literally the first time ever hearing about these two people. I didn't know who the hell they were. I didn't even know what a, a Democrat or, or a Republican was at the time. All I saw was these two guys in their faces. And, and I just looked at their faces. And five-year-old me, 2008, kindergarten, not knowing anything other than I'm looking at this guy and I know they're running for president. I was like, I think I like this McCain guy more than this Obama guy. Okay, so that day in kindergarten, I checked off the box for John McCain. And I guess you could say that is the start of my Republican roots. That is the start of me being a conservative, although John McCain and turned out to not really be that much of a Republican or that much of a conservative in the end. But regardless, at the time, right, he, he was the Republican nominee and I voted for him in that 2008 election. In fact, I was I mean, I wasn't super disappointed, but I was a little disappointed to find out that uh, Barack Obama ended up winning my class election. But that was about it. I, I I didn't really think much of it. I didn't even know who the two guys were. I was just like, huh, you, you the rest of you guys chose McCain? And I was the smartest kid in my kindergarten class. So I was like, huh, that's why I'm the smartest kid in my kindergarten class. I thought that to myself. But anyways, going forward from there. Once Obama was elected, I, I went through the rest of my elementary school up until the 2012 election without really paying much attention to politics, not really knowing what the hell politics were, to be completely honest. But then comes around the 2012 general election cycle. And that year, that, that so that was when I, I switched to my new school. So I would come home. Um, on weekdays a lot of the times, and even though I wasn't supposed to, I would sit down and I would watch the three o'clock local news with my grandma, right? And I, I just watch it. Um, and somehow, somehow as a kid, I enjoyed the news. Okay. That was a weird thing. About, I, I was a really weird kid, but it sort of explained why I turned out to be, I guess you would say, quote unquote, smart and did well in school because I was just into this weird, like I didn't want to come home and watch cartoons. I came home and actually enjoyed watching ABC News. Okay, like I enjoyed watching, I enjoyed learning what was going on in the world. But I I would come home and around I don't know September October 2012, it's general election season and the election is heating up and they're talking about these two candidates and I'm introduced. I I, I knew Obama obviously, but I'm also introduced to Mitt Romney for the first time. And you know, fourth grade me, I didn't really have that much of a complex understanding of the political parties or or, or ideology or anything like that. Still. But at the most basic level, I understood that Mitt Romney wanted lower taxes and Obama wanted higher taxes. And I believe, I, I don't really remember, but I think there were some other things, ideas that I liked from Mitt Romney as well. But it, it, that was the most basic one. It was, okay, Romney wants lower taxes, Obama wants higher taxes. I support Romney. Fourth grade me made a more 
reasonable, logical decision than kindergarten me, but that was basically, it was, Romney wants lower taxes, this Obama guy wants higher taxes, I'm a Republican, I'm team Mitt Romney, okay? And what ended up happening was, I, I told, I'm not going to name the family member, okay, because she does not want me to snitch on her uh, as to exactly how this all happened, right? But I told a family member who I'm very close with and who I trust a lot that I was in support of Romney. Like, hey, I really like this Mitt Romney guy, right? And she was a liberal. She was an Obama supporter. And she sat me down. And I guess you could say she brainwashed me. Okay, that's where it all started. That's where it all started, okay? Unnamed family member. But she sits me down and she explains Obamacare to me. And she explains, this is why you should support Obama, right? And I didn't fully understand it. I, I basically understood it, though. Um, but the, the main thing was I trusted her a lot, okay? I trusted her. She was someone I looked up to. And so fourth grade me, you can convince a fourth grader of anything, okay? You can convince a fourth grader that the world is flat and they will believe you, okay, if, if they trust you. And that's exactly what happened here, okay? She sits me down. She explains this all to me. And I kind of understood it. I was like, oh, okay. But, you know, fourth grade, fourth because fourth grade me was so easy to influence, I was just like, oh, okay. So then that night, I, I totally turned. I was, a, I was an Obama supporter. I was a pretty hardcore Obama supporter. and. 2012 election comes, Obama wins, and it's like, hey, look at me. I was on the winning side of, of the election this time, right? But that was it. I was an Obama supporter. I guess you could say that was in fourth grade. I'd sort of turned into a liberal. Although, to be honest, once the election was over, I totally forgot that any of that political stuff existed, and I went back to doing what the hell a fourth grader does. But that was that. But th those were the planting of my liberal seeds, right? From there on, I sort of understood that I was a liberal, even though I didn't think about politics that much. Then we come to middle school. We come to early, mid-2015, right? And this is when the whole, the, the political primaries and the political campaigns are starting to heat up, okay? Actually, I, actually, I, I no, no, looking back, it wasn't even when it started to heat up. It was literally when people were starting to announce for their candidacy, right? This is mid to late, mid-2015. Um, and I would not have known this was happening except for the fact that I used to actually like to watch clips from those late-night shows like Jimmy Fallon and Conan, right? And I, and I, I apologize. I apologize, right? Because that, that was absolutely terrible of me. I do not understand why I was such a fan of that nonsense, but I was. I was a fan of these late-night shows. I would watch their clips on YouTube. And back then... They used to obviously interview the, the presidential candidates on their shows. They'd bring them on as guests, right? And I, I knew who Hillary Clinton was. I knew who she was. Um, and she, she was like, I was kind of like, eh, she's okay, like in my eyes. Like I would watch these videos not really having any preconceived notions or judgments, but I would go in and watch these videos and sort of decide what I thought of each candidate, right? I thought it was kind of fun. So I, I watched him and Hillary was, ah, uh, she's like mediocre, right? And I was sort of interested in Ben Carson. Um, and I, okay, I'm going to be completely honest. This is why I was fascinated with Ben Carson. Okay, and I'm, I'm being honest, okay? So 
just 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 take it. Just take it. Just roll with it. All right. Don't cancel me. I'm being genuinely honest. This is what seventh grade me was thinking. Okay. And I was more liberal minded back then too. So you can't attack me for this. But I saw Ben Carson and I was like, huh, he's a black Republican. That's kind of interesting to me. That's kind of quirky. That's kind of cool to me. Like I've never, I never, I genuinely never saw a black Republican in my life before that. And I was sort of, I was like, this guy's kind of cool. But it was just the idea of a black Republican was very like cool to me in seventh grade. I was like, huh, I kind of like this guy. But then I actually listened to Ben Carson talk and realized oh, this guy is kind of weird and kind of sleepy. Seventh grade me talking. And I was like, okay, never mind. Ben Carson is a little bit of a whack job. That's what I thought back then. Okay. Then in about October or November 2015, I'm watching, I think, Jimmy Fallon's YouTube channel, right? And I'm introduced to one of his guests he brought on. I think it was Jimmy Fallon. One of the guests he brings on is, who else do you consider it but Bernie Sanders, okay? And this is when it all really started to kick up, okay? So seventh grade me, I was, I'll keep in mind, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm just saying this to be honest. I was always ahead of my years. Like I always thought like, uh, like in seventh grade, I probably had the thinking level of an 11th grader. Like that's how I used to, I used to, that all my teachers used to say, like you are wise beyond your years. Right. And maybe not so much anymore because I've become a lot dumber than I used to be when I was a little kid, but like little kid me was like a genius. Okay. And then I stopped studying as hard and I started getting involved with non academic stuff and it all sort of slipped downhill. But Seventh grade me was a little bit more sophisticated, but the main the main thing I heard coming out of that, listening to that interview, he promised free college. Okay, and keep in mind this is seventh grade me, and I was I was a hardcore bookworm back then in seventh grade, right? And so I was like I I I had these big aspirations about college, and he and Bernie Sanders comes up and he's like free college, and I was like oh. College is so damn expensive. You're damn right. Free college. I love this guy. So immediately I was like, that's it. I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter, okay? He's offering me free college. This is awesome. And so immediately I went on Instagram and I found all these Bernie Sanders fan pages to follow. And keep in mind, I was in middle school. So while I was kind of a genius for a middle schooler, my mind was still easily influenced, right? And so I, I would I would follow these Bernie Sanders pages and I would sort of just go along and listen to what they said, okay? And so I, I from there on, I started to get more into progressive ideas, free healthcare, taxing the rich, uh, more regulation, all, all this different stuff, right? And so by by the second semester of seventh grade, I had turned into a hardcore progressive. But here is a little bit of nuance to what I believed, okay? And I was a hardcore Bernie Sanders supporter. But one thing I'd always rejected was sort of PC woke culture, okay? Political correctness, the, the feminine Nazis, quote unquote, all that stuff. I always rejected that bullshit. I, I, I always saw right through it. Okay. Like, I guess you could say I was sort of like a Bill Maher or a Joe Rogan or a Sam Harris type of liberal, right? That, that, that was who I was. Um, and I actually used to watch those feminist wrecked, feminist wrecked. Oh, feminist wrecked. Those, remember those back in 2015, 2016, right? I used to watch those and I used to enjoy those because while I had these, these liberal beliefs, I, I I always saw that that SJW culture was bullshit, and I actually that's I actually found myself sort of befriending conservatives as a result of it, right? Because I, I I was always of the belief 
that a true liberal is truly tolerant. Okay. So number one, they don't try to cancel everyone they disagree with. Okay. But number two, I, I, I saw the big flaw with this whole intersectionality idea where your ideas are more worthy. If you're a woman or you're transgender or you're gay or you're black, I was like, no, actually I'm a liberal. Okay. And I strongly believe in equality. Which means equality means you actually treat everyone equally and everyone's say, everyone's voice has the same the same merit. Okay. So a white person is not automatically below the opinion of a black person just because they're black or whatever. I always rejected that bullshit. Okay. Cause I, I considered myself to be a true liberal. And I was like, true liberals believe in free speech and they believe in actual equality. They believe in equality, not intersectionality. Okay. Because intersectionality is not equality. So that was who I was. And I guess you could say that was the planting of my conservative roots because at the time I found myself consistently defending this one conservative classmate I had. Okay. This one conservative classmate I had, um, shout out to him. People who went to middle school with me will know exactly who I'm talking about, but I was a liberal. I did not support his beliefs necessarily, but I defended him a lot back in middle school. Because I, I defended him against the crazy feminists. I was like, you you guys need to stop being ridiculous. You guys need to act like true liberals. And, and I, I actually stood up for him. Because I was like, this is what a true liberal believes. So I was that kind of guy. But <sighs> the other thing I remember out of seventh grade was this one teacher. Okay? Shout out to this teacher. All right? I'm not going to say her name. But I am going to say she was my seventh grade world history teacher, okay? And she was ridiculous. She was ridiculous. So she was a liberal. I was a liberal. But she was sort of that hardcore social justice annoying type of liberal. Like she she was that type of person. And I, in seventh grade, found myself at great odds with her, which it did not turn me conservative. Don't get me wrong. But this was sort of the planting of my conservative roots. other than just finding myself enjoying those feminist rec compilations and noticing, right, that a lot of liberals did not believe in, truly believe in free speech, right? It was her. It was this woman, okay? This godforsaken woman. So seventh grade history is world history. World history is a lot of content, right? You're supposed to learn about all these different civilizations. Europe, China, uh, the Middle East, Africa, North America, South, like you, you're supposed to learn about the whole of world history, basically before modern times, but after ancient times, right? So it's sort of the middle ages. That, that's world history. You guys remember middle school world history, right? But because during that time, if you'll go back and remember, there was a lot of Islamic terrorism going around, right? And at that time, you know, Donald Trump was running for president saying we're going to have this Muslim ban, all this stuff, right? She decided to totally toss out the curriculum that we were supposed to learn in seventh grade history. And I kid you not, spend the entire first semester, the entire first semester, and pretty much half of the second semester only teaching us about Islam. Islam. That was it. That was all we freaking learned in this world history class, right? And it, it it was it was totally it was the social justice narrative of Islam shoved down our throats. 
that. It's a religion of peace. You cannot criticize Islam. It, it, all Muslims are peaceful. Uh, you know, Sharia law, Muslims who live by Sharia law are not real Muslims, even though that's like the majority of the Muslim world. All this nonsense, right? And seventh grade me, keep in mind, I was a liberal, I was a progressive, but I was also a very hardcore atheist. Okay, I was a hardcore atheist. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not anymore. I'm not an atheist anymore. Right. But back then I was a hardcore, secular, progressive atheist, but I was consistent with myself. Unlike most of them, I was consistent. I was like, all religion is equally dumb. That was what I believed back then. So I thought that Christianity was like stupid, but I also thought Islam was stupid, but I saw and Bill Maher talked about this a lot back then, too. You can go back and watch his infamous clips with Sam Harris and all that stuff, right? But I saw, to me, I was like, you know, it's it's fine. You can be, there can be religious people, okay? So long as they don't go trying to impose theocracy on anyone. And I saw that it wasn't Christians that were doing this. It was Muslims. It, it was, the, I realized that there was a severe radicalization problem in the Muslim world. And I also saw my fellow liberals sort of embracing what was a Trojan horse to liberal values. Cause I was like, dude, first of all, we are atheists and we're supposed to be equally critical of all religion, but you're talking about this religion that in the modern times, in modern practice, right. Is still backwards. You know, generally I'm, I'm talking, you know, generally I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying a part of a sizable chunk of them, right. Are throwing gays off buildings. Are, are are making women wear these burqas and are denying basic women's rights and basic basic human rights to a lot of different people. I'm like, why are liberals making this 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 devil's relationship with radical Islam? And I I I saw that. I was like, this is ridiculous. And it, it didn't help that this teacher was shoving you know the narrative down my throat at the time, right? And I was just like, this is dumb. Um, but I'll never remember in that class. She gave us this one writing prompt about like, how do you think Islam really started? It was something along those lines, right? But I clearly remember. Now, keep in mind, I, I, I was killing it. I was kicking ass on all the assignments in her class, right? Um, and a lot of them were sort of opinion-based blogs. Like you had to write an argumentative essay. That was a lot of her class. And I was getting straight A's, 100% on all of them, right? And we get around to this Islam one. And I, I basically write that I did not think Muhammad was a prophet. That was that was the basic premise of my essay. Muhammad was not a prophet. He was not visited by the angel Gabriel. The whole story is full of shit. He made it all up, right? That was it. And that was the premise of my essay. Atheist. I, I have the right to say that, right? She gives me a C minus, okay? She gave me a C minus on this essay. And I was like, hold on. I wrote with the same level of effort that I always have been. I wrote the same amount. The only difference is I questioned your narrative in class and suddenly now I have a C minus. And then she makes me redo it. Okay, she forces me to redo it. I redo it, but I keep the same argument and I get a C minus again while adding all this crap to it. I was like, woman, what is this? Okay, but that was sort of my first, it's crazy. That was my first dose of, Liberal teacher bias and liberals literally grading you down in school for contradicting them. It was not me speaking as a freaking conservative, folks. It was me in seventh grade as a hardcore atheist progressive 
denying the uh, the divinity of Muhammad and basically criticizing Islam as a religion. Okay, that was the first time I, I, I faced that, and it made me so freaking furious. And that just drove me really even more into the conservative camp because I I, I could see it from seventh grade. I always saw like it's the conservatives that are the ones that are tolerant and loving and, and, and treat everyone equally. Whereas it's the freaking liberals over here, quote unquote liberals that, that, that are, that are total fascists. And I always saw that. I always saw that. It, it, I, it didn't change my beliefs, but it changed the people I associated with. Like I found that it was easier to talk with conservatives than to talk with other liberals and other leftists. Okay. And this issue, second semester, of uh, my my seventh grade year, this became even more apparent to me when it came to the topic of Hillary Clinton, right? As I stated way back, I didn't really have an opinion on Hillary Clinton, but as I was sort of getting more into this Bernie bro stuff, I started to hate her guts, okay? It was, it was my view back then, and honestly, it probably is still true. What I thought was happening was that Hillary was rigging uh, the election against Bernie. Like, I was like, she's rigging this stuff. And I was like, look at these superdelegates. Hillary has like a 500 superdelegate lead advantage. What the hell is that? How is that fair, right? And I also, I was following these Bernie pages, so I was learning a lot of the bad stuff about Hillary too. Like, you know, her, her disastrous foreign policy. And I was realizing like, holy shit, this woman is really, really corrupt. I cannot bring it myself to support this, right? And also I saw that Hillary was embracing more of the SJW sort of culture back then. Whereas Bernie, believe it or not, if you go back and watch Bernie's campaign in 2016, he wasn't so much of the social justice warrior that he is now. He was actually sort of more of a populist, right? And I guess that's what appealed to me. I guess I, in a way I was sort of a populist type of liberal, right? But the SJW stuff about Hillary and all her supporters saying, but she's a woman, so if you're a misogynist, if you don't support her, that totally turned me off to her. But also, I was like, this is, a, this is an evil, evil woman, okay? I literally said back then, Hillary Clinton is an evil woman, and I went as far as to say I would rather have any of these Republicans than her as president. She is evil. That was, I, I, I don't know why. I just couldn't. I just hated her guts, right? But it was interesting because as... Bernie's uh, chances at winning started to slip away more and more. I started to be, I started to grow more and more resentful of Hillary. And finally, I, I, I just came out and said it. Like I was just like, I will never support Hillary Clinton. I am Bernie or bust. Okay, so if Hillary ends up being this nominee, I will not support her. Okay, and I, 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 I honestly wouldn't even mind if a Republican won as a result. I do not care. Okay, and once again, people on my own side were so ridiculously vicious to me that I was, I was starting to get rebellious. I was like, you know what? I'm going to hang out with the conservatives. I'm going to, the conservative kid at school that everyone hates. I'm going to be his friend. I'm, um, I'm going to follow all the conservative Instagram pages. Literally. I, I followed the typical liberal back then. Okay. Back then in, in 2015, 2016, that was when I followed him. Cause I was like, screw you guys. I'm going to hang out with the conservatives because they are way more reasonable than you guys. Listen, we might disagree on some economic policies, right? I want free college. They don't. But we actually agree on these basic principles like free speech, equality, tolerance, and not and being against, you know, this whole social justice nonsense wave that is sweeping our country, okay? And so when Hillary became the nominee, I was freaking furious. I was actually genuinely convinced back then 
that Bernie was sort of going to stage a rebellion at the DNC. Like he was going to get up there and refuse to vote for, for, for Hillary and try to get all the delegates to go rogue, right? I thought that was going to happen. It didn't end up happening. I remember, if you remember back in 2016, there was a gash on Bernie's face during that whole thing. I was like, they, they freaking... I was like, these assholes, they took him backstage and they beat him so that he doesn't say it. And I was pissed. I was pissed. I was like, I'm never supporting these people. Look at, they freaking used him. I thought, I, 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 I genuinely was like, that was them taking her, Hillary's thugs, taking him backstage and beating him, right? So that was me. But when Bernie did not go rogue, I was a little bit disappointed because I really thought he was this anti-establishment warrior. And look at him. He, he's shilling to the woman who, 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 who destroyed, uh, destroyed him, right? And I sort of lost a lot of respect for Bernie when that happened, okay? But I was still on his side. I was still on his side, but I lost some respect. And obviously, as I'm saying, I could never get on board with supporting Hillary. Never, never. I, I was never going to do it. So that happened. We get to the general election season in 2016, and I, 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 I did not support either Hillary or Trump, but to be honest, I sort of was rooting for Trump to win, kind of, right? Because Trump was sort of a populist, so I, I respected that about him. But also, one of the big, reason I, uh, big reasons I liked Hillary, Bernie so much, especially after witnessing everything that happened with Hillary, was the fact that he was anti-establishment. And I clearly recognized that Trump was anti-establishment as well. So I was like, I, 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 I prefer that Trump wins over Hillary. I was actually me back back in 2016 as this liberal, right? But I did not support Trump. I ended up supporting Jill Stein, okay? I, I was a Green Party girl, a Green Party girl, yeah. Uh, I mean, Green Party guy, although I probably had a lot of girl-like characteristics. But I was a Green Party guy in 2016 um, because I saw like Jill Stein is the closest thing we have to Bernie Sanders. So I'm going to support that. But I, I, I didn't really care who won the, the election. I preferred that Trump won, right? But I was very convinced in 2016 that Hillary would win because I saw Hillary rig this election for Bernie Sanders and knew the same crap was going to happen to Trump. I was like, Trump doesn't stand a chance. Hillary's got this rigged. And honestly, uh, Hillary would probably win without rigging it anyway, right? I was like, Trump is sort of out there, right? Come election night 2016. And I didn't even follow the election that night. I just did homework the whole night and just watched YouTube and whatever. But I come downstairs at like 9 p.m. Pacific time, and it's like, holy shit, Trump just won. And I was like, no way that just happened. But immediately, my reaction was not the typical liberal reaction of crying and being in absolute shock. I started laughing. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Because number one, it exonerated me. It proved me right. Like, Hillary is a weak candidate. We need to run Bernie Sanders because the whole argument was Bernie was not electable. My argument was, no, Hillary Clinton is not electable, right? And that proved me right. But also, I, I, I just, I could not stand Hillary and I could not stand her supporters so much that watching that smug smile get torn off their faces, I didn't care if it was a Republican who did that, was just hilarious, okay? And I joined in the conservatives at laughing at these people crying because their reaction, number one, was so ridiculous and so hilarious to watch. But also, number two, it was just so satisfying. It was so satisfying to watch the people that me and the Trump people had this, this common enemy. It was so satisfying to watch them cry and, and be so upset, right? And so 
I sort of just had this smile on my face. Come the day after the election, 2016, I come to school. I was in a good mood the whole day. I was like, man, this is amazing. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen, right? And I remember my eighth grade history teacher, who, big surprise, big time liberal as well, right? I remember that day he was just sort of in this shock, this 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 state of like, what the hell just happened? And he, he was sort of like all the liberals were that day. They were sort of just staring at the sky and they, they had this confused look on their face and they genuinely could not process what was happening. But I also remember that he wore all black that day, okay? And me in the in the, just the cocky attitude I was in that day, I was like, are you wearing black to mourn the death of the Democratic Party? <laughs> And he, he just, he laughs and he's like, well, no, but it works. Cause I was just like, you, you stupid Democrats, you guys are done. I'm like, you guys are finished. You guys lost to Donald Trump. Are you freaking kidding me? That is hilarious. And that proves that you guys are crooked and you guys are out of touch. You guys have no clue what the hell you're talking about. Right. And so I was also that person. Cause a lot of my fellow classmates were being totally irrational on social media. Like, Oh my God, we can't believe that. You know, you, you guys remember how everyone was, all the liberals were, following 2016, I was like, okay, you guys are being ridiculous. Okay. You guys are being absolutely insane. Um, I, I made this big post in my personal Instagram story, how I was like, you need to stop trying to cancel these Trump supporters. Okay. They have a valid reason to for supporting who they do leave them alone. But I also said that it is in the best interest of our country to root for Donald Trump to succeed. Okay. Donald Trump is going to be the president, whether you like it or not. And you need to accept the results, but more importantly, it's like, stop this irrational behavior against Trump. He's the president-elect now. Just stop. I don't remember exactly what I said in that post, but what I did say was, you guys are being ridiculous. Stop it, okay? And the, the, the Trump people like that on my Instagram too, okay? Now, I, I was like, I'm going to be perfectly fair to Trump. Because my fellow Hillary people are not doing that. So I was like, I'm going to give Trump a perfectly fair shot. That was that was my uh, thinking going back after 2016, after the 2016 election. Because I was like, I know I'm not going to agree with Trump on every policy, but I do like his message of draining the, the, draining the swamp and taking on the establishment, and I'm willing to unite with him over that. And I do like the fact that he has vowed to get us out of these endless wars, and I can unite with him on that too. I appreciate that. I like that. And... I, I will try to find where I can find common ground with Trump, right? And so I was sort of like this free thinker. I was like, oh, I'm a liberal, but when he does something good, I'll applaud him for it, okay? I'm not going to be totally ridiculous like the rest of you guys are being, okay? So that was me. Starting in late December of, but also, also, I forgot to mention this. A few days after the election, you guys will remember that the, this whole Russia crap started, the Russia hoax. And I saw through that from the start. I always saw through that. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is bullshit. Okay, this is just straight up bullshit. What the hell is this? Um, and I, I, I expected nothing less from the ridiculous mainstream establishment Democrats to get on board with this absolute nonsense. But I remember seeing Bernie Sanders get on board with it too. And when Bernie Sanders started to get on board with it, I lost a lot of respect for him. And I was like, you know what? You're not the anti-establishment warrior that I think you are. You're just a shill for the Democrats like the rest of them. And I was still like, okay, I'll support Bernie in 2020. But this guy has lost a lot of my respect. And in fact, seeing him get on board with the rest of the Democratic establishment, 
it sort of turned me off from politics for a while. Like I still sort of casually followed politics, but I was not nearly as involved as I was when Bernie was making his big run, right? I was I was actually pretty disgruntled. I was like, I can't believe I felt betrayed. I, I was like, I can't believe this guy just did that. Okay, because it's so clear the you can see through this Russia crap for miles away. And if anyone cheated, it was freaking Hillary Clinton. Okay. And so I was like, this is nonsense. And and I always defended Trump from the Russia crap from the start because I just knew that it did not happen. I just knew that it was absolutely full of crap, right? Um But I was I was honestly tuned out from politics for a while. Like the second semester of my eighth grade year, this was uh, the first half of 2017. I still was sort of into it. There were still some things about that Trump did that I didn't like. Like I remember I was one of those uh, save the keystone, not this keystone. It's the, the dapple, the, 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 the Dakota access pipeline. I was standing with the native Americans on that. Right. And I was still sort of this progressive, but I was becoming increasingly non-political because my, my, my hero, my guy, my idol, had just backstabbed me and it sort of made me realize that politics was kind of stupid right but i was still on board with it and i started to like actually i started to like tulsi gabbard a lot because i realized that me and tulsi were sort of in the same stance on a lot of different issues right we were these populists we were against the endless wars we were both for pardoning edward Snowden and julian assange and we were both sort of open-minded, like, we'll give Trump a chance. We'll applaud him when he does the right stuff, right? And so I like Tulsi. Actually, Tulsi was my 2020 pick uh, that around that time. I was like, we need to run this girl in 2020. She's absolutely awesome, right? Um, but that was me. But growing 20, throughout 2017, I started to take less and less interest in politics. When I started ninth grade, this was the second half of 2017, and I'm in high school now. When I started ninth grade, I was basically did not freaking care about politics at all anymore. I had moved on. It was like a phase for me. I was done. Um, I still took interest in history, and I guess I guess that's one thing. I other thing I forgot to mention was I've always been sort of interested in politics since I was very little, and the reason I think is because I've always been super duper into history. Like I love. I loved learning about history growing up. I taught myself history growing up. I would watch those documentaries. I would literally read history books. I was super into that stuff. And so I was still into that. So there's still sort of that aspect that I guess you could say kept me a little bit involved in the political world. But honestly, I didn't care. It was ninth grade. I was sort of over it. Uh, I was going through a WWE phase at the time. So I was really into that. I used to watch all that stuff. And honestly, that my when I began ninth grade, I was more concerned with trying to get at girls <laughs> to be honest and then i cared about politics like I, I just did not care about politics for for a while and so the whole first semester of my ninth grade year i sort of took this step back from politics where i just didn't care and to be honest I guess I guess what was going on was sort of a reset of my political beliefs, right? Because I had ditched a lot of all this old progressive stuff to sort of become more of the, of the idea like I don't even care. I don't even care about politics. It's whatever. I'm into other stuff. I'm back to being a normal kid for a little bit, for a little bit. For this one semester of my life, I was this normal kid who did what normal ninth graders do and that's not care at all about politics, okay? It was a slight pause. Come second semester of my sophomore year, my not my sophomore year, my freshman year, and I really, really, and I was in this school news broadcast class. Like we used to do a, a school news broadcast, we'd put it together, video, right? And I, I, I started reporting in that class, 
And I had decided that I really wanted to be a journalist, right? I really wanted to be a journalist. That for this for this short phase of my life, my aspiring career was I wanted to go to USC Annenberg School for Journalism and become a, a, a broadcast journalist, right? And so the second semester of my freshman year, I was sort of getting into this stuff and I was sort of getting more into the news cycle. Although I, I, politics was not my thing. I did not like covering politics. I, well, I didn't dislike it, but I didn't like it either. Um, but th- it was sort of re-sparking my interest, I guess you could say, in that world a little bit as this journalist. Okay. Then if you'll remember now second semester of my freshman year, this is early 2018, the Parkland shooting happens. And springing out of that was March for Our Lives, right? And you guys all remember March for Our Lives, David Hogg, Emma Gonzalez, those big walkouts you saw all across the country. They happened at my school too. I'm sure they happened at your school. That happened. And I got back into politics, to be honest, because I, and I, I wasn't even thinking about my past eighth grade life as this never burning guy. I just sort of liked it because I was like, this is really cool. Look at all these young people, you know, getting involved and standing up for themselves. And this is a really cool thing. And I, I want I just in my heart, I was like, I want to be able to support this. This is so cool. And so as this journalist, um, as, as I guess as the school journalist, right, I was the school journalist at the time. We did that first walkout for March for Our Lives at my school, and I reported on it. I reported on it. I, I I took the camera and the microphone. I brought my cameraman with me, who was also in the class, and I went out and did this story on the March for Our Lives people, and I interviewed them and all that stuff, right? All that good stuff. And I put together this new story on it. And... um. I, I I gave very favorable coverage to it. It's like, these are my fellow classmates. Look at them standing up for themselves, getting involved in social justice. I was like, this is really cool. I like this, right? But I honestly did not think that critically about what was going on, right? I was just like, this is a really cool youth mo- movement. It was really inspiring to see. And I was like, I like this. I like this. I'm on board with this, right? But, 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 but. Being the person that I am, right? I, because, and because it was all going on, at the time, I started to kind of think a little bit more about the issue of guns itself, right? And I, I was, don't get me wrong, I had this automatic confirmation bias that I really wanted to, to support my fellow classmates in this March for Our Lives movement because I was like, this is so cool. Um, but as, as a journalist and generally as just an open-minded person at the time, I wanted to hear both sides, right? Because I've always been sort of that that liberal, that liberal-minded person where they're they're all for free speech and they want to hear other people's viewpoints, right? And so I heard both viewpoints. I listened to pro-gun perspectives at the time. I listened to anti-gun perspectives as, at the time. And as I listened to both, I started to realize that the anti-gun side made no logical sense. Like, like it was just not consistent. It didn't make sense to me. And I was just like, the pro-gun arguments are so much better than the anti-gun arguments. I was like, you're right. The problem isn't guns. The problem is people. People are going to get illegal guns regardless. What we really need to be doing is putting better security in our schools, which these March for Our Lives people are literally against cops in schools. And I'm like, what the hell is that? That doesn't make any sense. I I don't want to be shot at at school, which is why I support law enforcement and I want the police to be in my school, right? And so... I was going this back and forth and I started to realize, holy crap, I I am pro-gun. I was like, I was like, I'm pro-gun. And it made me greatly fall out of favor with this March for Our Lives thing. I was just like, 
you guys are dumb. That's what I was thinking. I was like, you guys are dumb. What is wrong? I'm, I do not support this, right? And the second I became pro-gun, this is when I became a conservative. I know this has been a really long podcast. This is I, I this is like how long is this going to be? Like 40, 50 minutes already? That was what opened up the floodgates to me becoming a conservative. Because keep in mind, I had not been in politics like half a year, basically. And I totally removed myself. It was like I disconnected myself from the force in Star Wars. And so I came back this totally open-minded person that really had no strong political beliefs. And the second I realized I was pro-gun, that opened the floodgates. Um, and I started watching some Fox News because I was interested to hear what they were saying. And I was just like, okay, okay, all right, all right. And I was starting to realize like, this all makes a bunch of sense. This conservatism thing all makes a bunch of sense to me. I started watching those clips. If you remember back in 2018, Tucker Carlson, who I would say honestly is the person who red-pilled me. Like Tucker Carlson is the person who turned me into, into, into a conservative and the person I am today, right? I used to watch his show and segments from his show on YouTube, right? And if you remember back in early 2018, he was he talked a lot about the immigration issue, a lot. And he used to bring on, and other issues as well, right? But he, if you remember, he used to bring on these immigration activists who, it was, I mean, I, I they were probably kind of set up sort of uh, segments because they were incredibly dumb, right? And they were supposed to be like a caricature of what liberals believe, basically, on immigration. But I listened to this stuff, and I, I, w I would realize, right, that 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 the 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 liberals on this issue made no sense. I was like, liberals don't make any like I I was I was listening with a totally open mind. I was like, the conservatives have a far better argument on this. So then Tucker uh, red pilled me on the issue of immigration, and I stopped being for that liberal open borders nonsense. I was like, no, actually, you know, I I think I support Trump on this border stuff, like. I'm not I'm not a xenophobe. I don't hate any group of people, but we as a country need to be enforcing our borders. We have a right to secure our borders, and it's within our own interest to stop unchecked mass migration into our country. This was me in 2018. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I agree. And the floodgates just started to open. Uh, it was issue after issue after issue. The dominoes fell. I was like the I was just turning more and more into this conservative, right? And starting in 2018. I started to see Trump's job numbers start to come out and look really good. This was when the, the that whole Trump economy started to become really good. And I was like, I'm an American. I want a good economy because I want my country to succeed. And as this sort of liberal person, I just cannot argue that what Trump is doing with the economy is good. You got this, this unemployment reaching these new lows and stuff. I was just like... Hey, he's doing a pretty good job as president. How can I argue against this? I can't. And I started to, by the end of my of that that first semester of my freshman year, I was a full on conservative. I was a full on conservative. Okay, but and, and and I knew that would not be popular. I I knew that my fellow classmates were all liberals. Right now, the problem and I I, I sort of thought I was just going to keep my mouth shut. And just sort of just go on and just be a normal high schooler still, still trying to get at girls and all that stuff, right? But when that all happened, when I was red-pilled, when I woke up and realized that I was being lied to my whole life and that I had been spoon-fed lies and I believe these lies, I was angry. Like I, I was honest, I was honestly kind of angry. I was like, 
holy crap, holy shit. These people lied to me all of my life and I am pissed at them. They scammed me and they should not be allowed to get away with it. And I was like, okay, now folks, I'm going to, I'm going to start telling the rest of the world about this. I was like, no, 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 no. Everyone needs to know about this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spread the truth to everyone else. Right. <laughs> Cause I was just like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't hold it in. I had this like un, un, uncontained need to express myself and say what I wanted to say. And so immediate, and so what I started doing was I had my Instagram account. I would post on my story a little bit about why liberals were wrong on the whole child separation thing, right? And I had a few people arguing with me, but honestly, no one really noticed or, or cared that much at the time. But also, just because, you know, I needed that place to vent, I, I needed to get it out. I needed to get this stuff out because it was making me so angry. Um, I used to talk about politics with my friends a lot. I used to say, like, this is ridiculous. Oh, my God. How, how can people support this? And some of my friends were liberals at the time. To be honest, most of them were conservative, right? But, or not, not necessarily conservative, but they, they were sort of, they were non-political, but they sort of went along with whatever I believed. So if I was saying it, they were like, yeah, you're right, Vince, right? And they were my friends, and we were that's just how it was. But over time, I noticed that my friends started to get really, really sick of me talking about this stuff all the time because I was I was just always barraging them. I always had to tell someone or and family members alike. And, you know, I, I would sort of post stuff on Instagram about it sometimes, but I didn't really I sort of tried to avoid saying what I really wanted to say because I didn't want to fall out of favor with all of all of my classmates and stuff like that, right? So finally in August of 2018, I'm about to start my sophomore year of high school. I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. I, I need a place to let this out. I need a place to vent. I need that, that place where I can talk about politics and it doesn't really, and, and, and it's an appropriate place. Cause I was, I realized like, okay, the way I'm talking about politics right now is inappropriate. I need to find an appropriate spot, time and place to talk about this stuff. Right. And so uh, keep in mind at this time, it was still my goal to become a broadcast journalist. So I already had this experience of talking on camera. I was already making news stories. I was, I was already doing all this stuff. I already had a green screen, all that stuff, right? And I already knew how to edit videos and all that stuff. In fact, I knew that before because before I wanted to be a journalist, I wanted to go into film. And so I've always been into this video production crap, right? But I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start this Instagram page where I make these videos letting my letting out my arguments and talking about this political stuff, right? I'm going to make the Instagram videos, this Instagram page where I, I make these rants and I go talk about it and, and I go do it, right? Because I was inspired at the time. Also, I was inspired at the time. I, I watched Tucker's show and segments of Tucker's show, Tucker Carlson, right? And I was like, that looks really fun. That actually looks kind of fun. I, I'd be so down to do that myself. And I, I I used to follow like the typical liberal and Joel Patrick and DC Drano on Instagram at the time. And I was like, and so I recognized Instagram as this platform where you can be a conservative and get involved in the conservative community. So it was twofold. I saw that stuff on Instagram. I saw there was this community on Instagram that I could tap into. And I, and I also saw, right, that, uh, that this commentary stuff, I got this idea for doing commentary, not just reposting other people's stuff, but specifically for doing commentary as I saw Fox News and thought that stuff was kind of fun and I was a journalist. You combine the two together and on August 3rd, 2018, I started the famous Instagram page that is now the Vince Dow with 90,000 followers and the page you all know today. That was how it all started.
Okay. And so on August 3rd, 2018, I made this video and, and, and the main point of my page at the time was to push back against other fellow young people that were leftists. And mainly actually it was a rebuttal to March for our lives. Like the very first video I called out David Hogg and like the very third or fourth video I debunked. I made a video debunking everything he said, right? That was the main goal. My, my goal was sort of just to, to be like the the right-wing version of David Hogg for my generation, which I guess it's it sort of – that, that's not what I ended up being in the end, really. I wouldn't consider myself that. But in a way, sort of similar, right? So th that, that was my goal, and that was how I all started it, folks. That was when I started making videos about politics. Two years later, here I am. Here I am, okay? Um, and I started – by the way, I started that Instagram page totally separate of my my personal account and i honestly i didn't even tell that many people at school about it because i didn't want them to find out i wanted to sort of just fly under the radar and keep this whole thing a secret right and that's how it all started okay now the topic of how i went from doing those videos back then and how i grew and my journey and all that stuff and how my classmates eventually found out about what i was doing and people found out and then what happened to me and all the drama and all that stuff that will be the content for another podcast, and I'll probably title that podcast like what it's like being a conservative in a California high school, right? I'll tell that whole story. But folks, we're running – this is going to be a really long podcast, probably like an hour-long podcast, right? But folks, that is my story, okay? That is the story. That is how I am in the position that I am today, okay? That is how I became – that's basically the full unedited a raw story of how I became a conservative and here we are here we are and so that's my introductory episode ladies and gentlemen that will conclude this first episode of the sound of Dow. hope you guys enjoyed it I hope this wasn't too long for you guys I I intended for this only to be about a half hour but I just found myself talking and talking for all this time okay literally no no interruptions or no cuts either the only interruption I, I had and the only jump cut I'm gonna have in this whole podcast is when my mom called me and that interrupted the recording right but that's literally it I, I've been talking for like an hour straight and I'm having a lot of fun doing this I like this podcasting thing to be totally honest I love this podcasting thing a lot but anyways ladies and gentlemen that's the first episode now I will revisit the whole experience of what it's like being uh, conservative in this liberal high school later on. I'm, I'm going to like maybe like the fourth or fifth episode. I'll tell that story. But I'm thinking for the next few episodes, uh, we'll, we'll get into more like less personal stuff and a little bit more political issues. I'll bring a f on a few guests. Right. But we, we will be revisiting this personal story of mine. Right. But with that being said, if you listen to the end. Thank you very much for listening, okay, to the first episode of the Sound of Dow podcast. I hope you enjoyed this all very, very much. We'll see you guys next time. Now, I'm thinking, so I'm thinking of doing this every Thursday, episode every Thursday, but I'm also thinking, it just depends, I, I can absolutely do two episodes a week. It's just a question of, will you guys stay engaged for two episodes a week, or will you start to fall out, or, you know, is it too much uh, content to throw out you guys, and should I keep it to one uh, podcast a week to to maximize viewership and attention all that stuff let me know but i'm thinking of doing this probably I'll, I'll definitely do this every thursday but maybe also every other monday so mondays and thursdays we'll release a new episode of the podcast or maybe we can start breaking this down into 30 minute episodes instead i know i went on for way longer than i predicted in this episode but let us know but yeah Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. I, I hope you enjoyed. Um, I, I've said that like three different times. I know I'm always freaking very redundant at the end. But 
that'll do it for this episode. Uh, I will see you guys next Thursday or even maybe next Monday for episode two of The Sound of Dow. Thank you very much for listening. Again, if you're still listening, make sure to leave a like if you're on YouTube or be sure to rate the uh, subscribe and rate this podcast five stars if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes. But ladies and gentlemen, I have been Vince Dow and you have been listening to The Sound of Dow. So to the Vince Dow Empire, signing off. Have a good rest of your day, ladies and gentlemen. And remember, 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 alpha moves only. All right. See you guys in the next episode in peace.